GoneMobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Mobile and our, our first Gone Mobile of uh, 2018. Happy New Year, John. Same to you. Yeah, how was your New Year's? Hey, you know what? I, I took the break to not do any coding this year, and really? usually that's not what I do, but I feel like every once in a while you need that refresh and come back, recharge, and ready to go. How about yourself? Yeah, I always I would agree with that in theory, but what happens to me every single year is that like everyone else sort of takes vacation around that time of year, and then there's suddenly this like quiet period where I can actually spike things and, and work on a bunch of cool stuff. Um, so, which is refreshing in its own way. It's not usually the normal slog because most people are on vacation. Uh, so it's a little I little bit of both. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I think thinking back to our last episode at the end of last year, I, I think I made some sort of premature comment of thinking winter had showed up in, in New York. Um, but I was wrong. And it turns out that today is when when winter showed up where uh, like we're, if I look out my window here, the snow is effectively horizontal. Um, and, you know, the Washington Post is calling it a bomb cyclone of snow and all these other crazy terms and polar vortexes and whatnot. So it's it's a bit intense. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure if you knew that was actually my Christmas gift to you this year. So, oh, oh you, you, yeah. sh- you really shouldn't have. <laughs> well, you know, wanted to share the snow. Well, I appreciate it, uh, but but we're we're glad to be back. We're excited. We have a bunch of cool episodes coming up. Um, so so let's just get back into it and get back to some mobile stuff. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this episode because it's a type of um, type of episode that I don't think you really see enough of, uh, just in general. Um, where like we you know we have an awesome guest that I'll introduce in a sec who um, you know we're going to talk through building out a real mobile application and everything from project planning to uh, deploying to testers to deploying to the app store to testing and the, the whole life cycle here. So so I'm really excited to get into this uh, and, and welcome Jacob Jedrasek to the show. How's it going, Jacob? Uh, hey, how are you? Uh, thanks for an invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I'm glad uh, that you guys invited me. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, the, this sort of thing, this sort of talk in general, it, it excites me just because you know it. You know, tech, technical sessions at conferences and all that sort of thing are, are one thing, and they're super useful. But I always find the really useful ones to to be stories that you hear from people down at the trenches, what it was actually like to to build an application with a platform or an approach or anything like that. Um, so that's what caught my eye about, uh, I'm not sure which conference it was at, but I know you published a, a video from some conference around this. Oh, yeah. So I had a talk at the Microsoft Ignite conference in Orlando uh, in September 2017, uh, which was like last year. But uh, you, know, you have to be careful because you know, at the beginning of the year, you, you just say like, yes, this year, or you're just saying like next year, but you actually mean like, uh, when you say next year, you actually mean the current year already, right? So. <laughs> Just for record, 2017 uh, September, because we uh, actually announced the pri- uh, public preview of uh, the Azure mobile app uh, on May 2017 at the Build conference. And uh, uh, so the Azure mobile app is basically uh, like a companion app for, for Azure that allows you to monitor and keep eye on your Azure resources. You can also take some critical actions, like you can start, stop, or restart your virtual machine. and Actually, there is even no limitation on what you can do because we have even embedded a cloud shell in the mobile app, which uh, enables you to execute any command you can uh, possibly uh, execute uh, uh, against Azure from the mobile app. 
That's one of my favorite things about it. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of curious, like I, I know I've used the app, but for our listeners, like what, you know, can you do pretty much anything else in terms of managing your, your resources and stuff in the app that you can do in the, the web portal? Or like what's what's the difference between the two at this point in functionality? So, so the, you know, the main idea of the app uh, was that the app will be just like kind of an add-on for, for the portal, right? So we, uh, we wanted to have... Uh, access to like a metrics you we want to enable um, you to look at notifications regarding your azure resources and and also uh take like the most common you know actions that the users are taking we for example we are thinking that probably people will not be orchestrating uh, like sharepoint farm deployment from their mobile phone right the, the, these <laughs> kind of things they will be doing from the mobile app or they maybe won't be changing uh, like their passwords uh, to their production virtual machine, right? So we don't want to like replicate the entire portal, which is huge because we have currently, I think something around 100 different Azure services built by multiple teams across Microsoft. So we just uh, like uh, spin up this team of uh, initially uh, three people and then we, we grew up to uh, five people over the time. And we just wanted to keep it lightweight. We just wanted to give you the critical information, right? So uh, some things that you uh, might want to uh, know while you're away, and that will enable you to know what is going on, but not necessarily to give you like all the power that the portal is giving you. This episode is sponsored by Raygun. Discover, diagnose, and understand the root cause of error, crash, and performance issues in your apps in seconds. See how your apps are really performing and where they encounter problems with Raygun's incredible full-stack software intelligence platform. Raygun works with all major programming languages and platforms, including iOS, Android, and Xamarin, giving you full visibility over every issue affecting your users. I use Raygun in all of my own apps and highly recommend you give it a try. It only takes a few minutes and you're up and running in your app. Sign up for a free trial today over at raygun.com and make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. Yeah, it's always the the tough balance to strike, right? With mobile apps compared to you know full dashboard applications, you know what do you really need on the go? Or say if you get like a page of something going wrong, like can you just log in on your phone and resolve something without having to to go through the whole experience? Um, like so, so what platforms did you release this app for? Uh, so we are on the iOS App Store and we are on the Android Google Play. Uh, and maybe uh, also like a little bit of background story uh, that the app is built with uh, Xamarin Native, and it's uh, it, it work uh, work out great for us because at the beginning before we started working on app we were considering all possible platforms, all trade offs from uh, going like purely native with uh, you know iOS and Swift and uh, Android and Java to doing uh, Ionic maybe or React Native. And uh, Xamarin uh, won because of uh, like m maturity of the platform and, uh, and stability, and also the possibility to uh, share and reuse code because uh, a lot of logic of our app is actually encapsulated uh, in a common code. And Xamarin uh, enables you to actually take advantage of that and write code once for, for multiple platforms. So you mentioned, I think that there was what about five people working on the apps. Um, like, had any of these people worked on Xamarin apps before? And I'm I'm kind of curious about the timing too of your choosing Xamarin. I don't remember exactly how far after you know the acquisition and everything you you went and started building the app and and chose to make it in Xamarin. But I'm I'm curious about the experience of the mm -hmm. team uh, who built the apps. Uh, 
so you know the the story how this app uh, got created is a little bit uh, interesting because uh, originally it was the hackathon project at Microsoft. At, at Microsoft, every summer we have this uh, one week hackathon, and uh, and the, I think it was 2015 uh, uh, summer when we did a prototype of uh, of the app, uh, and then we. Uh, show this prototype to our like leadership teams, our managers, and and uh, I in the meantime met uh, James Montemagno, who uh, who told me about the Xamarin, uh, and then I I was thinking that oh yeah this this might be a good fit actually for this this app because like here at Microsoft a lot of developers has this C sharp experience. I also love C sharp, and also you have this uh, sh sharing code capabilities and. This looks like a pretty neat platform. So then I, uh, after the hackathon, I because we have like very very uh, uh, you know uh, small uh, demo app basically. So I started uh, prototyping this app with with Xamarin to see whether we can actually use it uh, for full blown production app, right? Whether we will run to some blocker or not. And uh, and this kind of worked out well. And over the time, we are also like. Uh, working on the new Azure portal. So that was like the main push of our team to like release the new portal and that was priority number one. So the, the mobile app was like kind of like my side project. But then after we got the portal out, got stable, got in good shape, uh, like uh, we uh, got like kind of like a green light from a, from a management like, okay, now we can uh, start, you know, small and start working on this app and let's see uh, how, how this is gonna go. So, uh, so, so then we, Again, this discussion came back again, like, you know, what platform we'll choose. And then uh, we listed all the trade-offs. And I think the, the biggest, uh, uh, the biggest uh, dilemma was between Xamarin Native and Xamarin Forms. But we decided to go with Native because Xamarin Native enables you to do everything that you can do in a native app with uh, with uh, uh, with C Sharp and with, uh, with Xamarin, right? Uh, while Xamarin Forms is kind of an abstraction built on top of uh, you know of the native frameworks, right? So we wanted to keep this uh, flexibility because we were thinking uh, at the time about this app, like this will be for next five or more years. We want mm -hmm. to build a stable product that will be maintainable, and then we uh, wanted to take like you know the, the the stable platform for that. So that's kind of like it, it rolled out and then we started uh, building the, the, the first real prototype and then uh, we showed it to the leadership and then liked it and we got some more developers and then uh, at the last year at Build conference uh, we announced the preview and we are getting more and more customers. Now we are adding more and more features. That's interesting. So so if I'm understanding that what you just said correctly, you actually went with sort of the, the classic Xamarin app approach then instead of going with forms. Um, I'd be curious to hear a little bit more about how the, that worked out for you and how you sort of approached um, things like code sharing and, and that sort of thing in a, in a classic Xamarin app as opposed to forms. Um, yeah, so uh, so that's a, a little bit uh, challenging thing to like uh, ensure that you have the, the right patterns and you will take advantage of code sharing as much as you can because we, when we started working, we first wanted to build iOS up, right? And we were like, okay, if you will have like a, like V0.1 of iOS up, then we'll build the Android app, right? And then what many times happened is that we didn't like uh, always put like all the 
potentially uh, reusable code in uh, PCL or a uh, shared project, right? Some of the code was in the view controllers, some of the code was basically in the iOS project, right? And then when we started working on an Android app, some of this code was, uh, because like in some cases it was like just two lines of code, right? So we were like, okay, we just copy pasted, it's fine. Uh, but then later on, when you know the app is growing and you just keep adding these lines of code to the native platform, then you see that, that, that there's you know a problem. You get out of sync, and then uh, making it uh, reusable and moving it to the to the shared code is is getting uh, harder and it's taking more time. And basically, the time you saved up now you wasted times uh, times two. So it's so it's very important to like uh, think about it from the beginning. Uh, I'm, I know this is this sounds like kind of like ideal work scenario, but uh, that's how it is. Uh, and and now I am also uh, like overnight I am also helping the uh, Seeing AI uh, app. And uh, currently they have iOS app only. And uh, and I'm seeing like the same kind of a pattern because they start with iOS and there's like a lot of code that should be in in, in the shared code, but it's like basically in the platform, right? Because uh, because they are just building iOS, and yeah, when we'll build Android, then we'll refactor so on and so forth. But at the time, it's many times it's uh, I want to say too late, but it's uh, it's it's getting very very expensive uh, longer you wait for that. So so make sure that the uh, the pattern I would recommend after this experience is that uh, every time when you build a view for a Xamarin native app uh, for a view controller, create a view model for that. Even if this is just like one string to display. Like later on, it will be more. Later on, you add some logic. Later on, you add some conditions there. And uh, for 90%, you want to do the same for Android platform, right? And uh, if you do it from from the beginning, you won't uh, uh, pay the cost of uh, redoing it later on. And and also, you uh, will drive better architecture for your project, and you will have better testability because a portable class library can be unit testable while the platform projects uh, cannot. You can only uh, run UI tests uh, against that. So then out of curiosity, that like your, your recommendation of MVVM there, um, does that come from like what you now realize you, you wish you had done from the beginning or were you able to refactor your app and, and are now actually doing MVVM in this app? Well, so we are, we are kind of doing MVVM, right? But, but sometimes when we had like very simple view, we're thinking like, okay, we don't really need a view model for that. Like, for example, it's settings view with uh, uh, with like very very few, uh, uh, you know, uh, very very few uh, labels and very few informations there. So we were like, okay, it's just you know, like for example, three labels and like logout uh, button, right? So like we don't really need to uh, have a view model for that, right? But later on when we were adding things to this settings view, right? We, we noticed that we, we do it twice on both platforms. And then it, uh, because uh, the way how we wrote the code when we had, you know, platform specific code in this logic that potentially could be reusable, right? Because you set the label text, UI label text, right? To some string, then uh, which you're supposed to have on the view model. We didn't do that, and uh, then it was becoming harder and harder. And then you had to also like run some code in the UI thread, and there is like another like three lines of code there in UI thread, which again you cannot do in uh, shared code, right? So all of these small things they basically add up, and later on you kind of pay for it. I, I think we didn't do do very bad on that because we uh, we start with this uh, like MVVM uh, mindset in from the beginning. We just didn't like 
executed it like in 100% how we how we should. We did like maybe 70 to 80% what we should do, which was still uh, still good. So we are able to like kind of recover from it, and now we are uh, we are in good uh, good shape. Yeah, I've definitely had similar experiences in in apps in in years past. Cause, you know, depending on how you feel about MVVM, you may agree or disagree. But but there is a certain amount of like ceremony and overhead in the MVVM pattern in general. So so it can get really easy in some cases to just sort of shrug off certain screens and be like, oh, well, it really isn't worth all of these classes and all of this, you know, abstraction overhead just for this simple little thing. And then sometimes that that might bite you later on, uh, as you said. So so I've definitely been there. Um, are you leveraging any sort of, you know, stock MVVM framework or are you doing that sort of, um, you know, bindings and that sort of uh, navigation and stuff you know, just in your own hand-rolled thing? Uh, no, we, we are thinking about using MVVM cross, but uh, ultimately we just went with uh, having our own MVVM and doing binding by ourselves. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't use MVVM cross uh, a lot uh, and like kind of this... Uh, like our, like you know, our custom MVVM is pretty much working very well. So uh, we didn't really feel the need to use the extra extra framework for that. So now that you've gone back and you've you know kind of corrected those mistakes that you uh, would have done differently from the beginning, how how much code are you actually sharing now between the platforms, and how are you measuring that? Uh, oh, so uh, how I, I, I measure it? Uh, there is this uh, tool called uh, Clock uh, Count Lines of Code, right, on on Mac. So, uh, like, I think last time I checked, we have something uh, about between 70 and 80% code being shared across uh, across iOS and Android, right? So, uh, so I think it's 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 pretty good uh, because uh, in, a, in our app, uh, there is not that much, like, business uh, computations. It's, it's more about, like, calling the Azure APIs and basically parsing the data. Uh, and there is also, like, a a little bit of like uh, UI, custom UI uh, components that we, you know, of course cannot share in, in iOS and Android. So when you were running the that, that clock ap- application to, to count things, mm-hmm. were you, um, which sorts of files are you looking at? Like there's a, you know, there, there's a oh, variety yeah, yeah. Of, of ways to sort of measure shared lines of code and all of them are kind of deeply flawed in, in their own way, right? Especially when you have Android, you end up with all sorts of XML and it depends whether you count that. And then on iOS, you depends whether you're using, you know, you're you know, designing your UIs in code or using storyboards. So I'd be curious to hear like how, both how you approach that sort of thing and how you measured it. Uh, yeah, so this is about only like C sharp lines of code, right? Okay. Because these are because these are reusable, right? You cannot uh, in Xamarin Native you cannot reuse views, uh, and uh, and according to Storyboard, that's like uh, maybe another mistake we, we've made. Uh, we we are using Storyboard and it was uh, working fine, right? And uh, at some point, like we noticed that more and more uh, screens we add, more and more custom cells to table views we add it's getting harder and harder to maintain and also uh, then uh, sometimes issues with tooling pop up like there are like uh, some cases where like you can we couldn't open the storyboard in uh, vs4 mac but we could for on vs4 windows uh, and i wish that we uh, kind of like create this programmatically and this is what the Seeing AI guys did from the beginning. They basically create their views programmatically, and it's much, much better maintainable. Uh, because I, at this point, like our uh, 
storyboard file is uh, thousands of uh, lines of code, and I can probably make, make even look at the, that now. It's uh, let's see, yeah, it's almost two thousand lines of code, and this is basically XML. And many times when you just want to, for example, add simple uh, table view cell. Uh, the tooling is basically like rearranging like everything, uh, and then you have uh, you end up with a diff that you you're not able to parse. So then what you can do, what some people in, in my team are doing, which is uh, which is cool, is like they basically like manually grab this XML piece that they should uh, have changed. They revert all the changes and they just manually paste it, so they can they have like a you know clean diff. <laughs> but but this is a this is not how it's supposed to be used. Uh, it's a, it's it's pretty painful. So like. If you will have application with more than five views, I strongly recommend to don't use storyboard, use the programmatic way, or maybe use the zip files if, if you want to have like a UI designer for that. So I don't know, what's your experience, guys, in, in this uh, area? I, I don't think I've made as big of, of an app as uh, you got here, so I don't think I can comment too much on the iOS side of things for that. But I, I think like doing the Android layouts and code is just you know self-torture. Um, so I don't think I'd want to do that. But iOS, I could maybe see a case for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, in uh, in Android, what is nice, you have basically this, this separated AXML files, right? So you have like one AXML per, per view. So this is manageable, right? The problem with Storyboard that is you have one huge file for your entire app, which you can, again, you can, you can have a few Storyboards, right? So that's like yeah. another way to go to. Uh, but yeah, but in general, this is something to to watch for, and this is something that you will not find out for uh, until like half a year or maybe a year in making, right? And then it's uh, pretty much too late, right? Because then you'll be like, okay, I want to redo this app, and like give me three months, you know? And like nobody will say uh, go ahead. You have to basically struggle with that for <laughs> for the life being. So I'm curious, um, talking about the two different platforms, like how do you split up work uh, on your team between the platforms? Does everyone sort of work on all the platforms or do you have certain people working on each? Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, we currently we have people working on both. Uh, at the beginning, uh, uh, because at the, so at the very beginning, I was... Uh, uh, doing the UI, I was doing the iOS, and uh, the other developer who uh, who started this with me, he was doing the the logic, the communication with Azure. And then when the next developer joined the team, he started working on the Android uh, side. Uh, but then when we are adding features, like uh, we are basically adding them on on the both platforms, and many times we had uh, some situations where like uh, you work on. Uh, some feature and you just introduce it on uh, iOS and then maybe later you add it on Android. Uh, so we have like people with uh, more like expertise uh, per platform, but I think like everybody is uh, able to to do it in, in both platforms now after after being in this project longer. And kind of going into this project, had, had you and your team built any mobile apps before, either with Xamarin or just native iOS and Android apps, or was this all kind of a brand new thing? Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I personally I built two apps that I uh, that I shipped to the App Store. Not super sophisticated. One is uh, called Shopping Pad, which is basically like app I did for myself because I always uh, was struggling with uh, going shopping. I always had this problem that when I go shopping for groceries, I'm like, okay, so what do I need to buy? And I had to think about it. And then I was coming back home and I was like, oh damn, I forgot to buy a salt, right? And now okay, 
Should I jump into the, my car, drive to the store 15 minutes, uh, grab the salt, come back to my store and spend like another hours only to have the salt for next week or not, right? So, so I created this app that basically uh, uh, you, you can create a shopping list and then once you buy things, it keeps track of what you bought and it kind of uh, presents you a list of the most frequently bought items. So then when I'm in the store, I'm just seeing like, oh, that's what I was buying. So probably I will need this again. So that's one app I created. And another app is uh, called Breadcrumbs, which uh, enables you to save the place that you currently are at and you can label it. And later on, you can navigate to this place. Uh, the, the idea from this app came when I was uh, when I'm traveling, like many times I'm, I like to walk, walk around the city and many times I find like some cool spot and like, oh, this is so cool, right? And then in, uh, in the, uh, what you can do is like either uh, open Google Maps, take a screenshot where you are and then try to like navigate there or there was like no good uh, app to basically like s save me this location and later on let me to reuse it. So, so I created that. Uh, and other team members, uh, there was one team member who had some experience with Android. Uh, there was uh, one more uh, member who had experience with uh, Android, but they were uh, uh, there were few people who had experience with uh, with WPF and w uh, Windows sites. So like there was uh, building user interfaces on different platforms, but all of us had experience with C Sharp. And what was uh, what was very cool at some point, like when I was working on a some feature uh, uh, in uh, a few months ago, I was uh, adding uh, a batching uh, Azure Resource Manager requests. So this the, because uh, when uh, you have the list of Azure resources, every uh, resource ha can have status, like whether VM is running or not. And the, the problem with, with this is that uh, how the Azure API works is that you have to issue separate requests per uh, per every resource. So if you have 20 or 100 resources, you need to basically issue 100 uh, requests to your backend. And when user is scrolling, this is becoming very inefficient. But uh, the Azure Resource Manager, they added this uh, API called Batch API, which uh, allows you to send 20 requests in batch. And uh, when I was adding this feature, I was able to work with two uh, uh, developers from, uh, from the Azure Portal team who already implemented this for the, for the Azure Portal. And they were helping me to implement this in the Azure mobile app. And they didn't have any uh, mobile app experience. They knew C Sharp and they knew how this badge API works. And they were able to help me to add this code in our shared code layer. We didn't touch UI whatsoever. We just did all of this on our shared code la layer in C Sharp and it's working. So, so this is like very, very cool thing about Xamarin that you can uh, kind of marry this uh, non-mobile developers and and have them to, to work on, on, on your mobile app. Yeah, and that, that's definitely one of the, the really powerful, you know, sales pitches of the whole Xamarin approach. So it's always nice to hear sort of case studies like this where, where you've seen that kind of play out for you in, you know, in quote unquote the real world and, you know, be able to pull in non-mobile developers to, to talk about that sort of thing. Um, but I, I want to jump topics a little bit over to the, the continuous integration and delivery side that, that you talked about. So I want to make sure we, we, we allow ourselves enough time to, to talk about this stuff. Um, so can you speak to the, you know, what sort of CI setup that you, set, um, that you put together and, and um, mm -hmm. how you put it together? Yeah, sure. So we are using Visual uh, Studio Team Services, uh, which is great. I for me, it was even surprisingly great how uh, how easy it was to set up the uh, iOS and Android uh, build pipelines there. 
and uh, you, you, you basically uh, can uh, uh, create a build pipeline with user interface there, and you can add different tasks that doing things like uh, build, then run unit tests, then uh, run UI tests, then deploy, uh, and we are also for our continuous uh, delivery. We are using Hockey App, which allows you to deploy like directly from Visual Studio Team Services. So like when every time when we push new code, we run our pipeline, and if everything is green, our unit tests and our UI tests, then uh, we uh, deploy to the Hockey App, which uh, which people uh, internally at uh, at Microsoft can uh, can access and they can use the not uh, yet shipped version is like kind of like an alpha and beta environment there. Uh, and uh, and we also use Xamarin Test Cloud, which uh, also have integration with uh, Visual Studio Team Services. Uh, and uh, we are able to test across multiple devices that uh, that we don't have. Uh, and uh, here's also like one mistake that we did at the beginning uh, because our imagination was that, oh yeah, so there is a test cloud, there's like these hundreds of devices there. So like, you know, every time I push, I should test on like all, all iPhones, right? All 40 iPhones. We all make that all... mistake once. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know, when you have one or two tests, it's fine. After like 10 or 20, you you notice that, okay, it's taking too long. So then you just go to one device, right? And you you just run on your all your tests on one device, and then maybe you have like this comprehensive uh, UI test overnight, or like maybe even over the weekend. But later on, when you keep adding tests, you even notice that uh, running all of the tests on one device is taking too long, and then you're thinking that oh damn it, we should uh, split split these tests into having like one smoke test on like every build, and maybe then have this this comprehensive build before maybe a shipping to App Store. So, uh, so, so you have to be also careful with uh, with that. But like, probably like every every app is different, and everybody will have to kind of discover it by by themselves. But uh, but but yeah, in general, uh, VSTS enables us to do both unit testing and UI testing, and uh, deploying to Hockey App in kind of like a one stop shop. And I know not that now there is this uh, uh, App Center. Which is the next generation of of uh, continuous integration, continuous delivery for for mobile apps. We are we didn't move there yet, but uh, it will be in the near future because they are still uh, working on like a feature parity, and we are at the stage where everything is working. So it's like hard to kind of like you know uh, okay I'll again I'll spend a month moving us there, but what is what is the gain right? Uh, so, uh, but but soon because I think they will start making the app uh, app service the main uh, CI/CD for Xamarin apps, and they will have like literally like everything in one place. Because in VSTS you can run a, a test with Xamarin Test Cloud, but you have different website to see the, the actual results, right? In App Center you will have all of this in in one place, and there will be like uh, more features that we, for example, we had to write a shell scripts for like for example uh, changing your uh, bundle IDs for production builds and uh, beta builds uh, and uh, small things like that. So, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit specifically too. Like you guys probably started fairly early on when there wasn't, you know, many VSTS build steps or, or plugins to be able to do some of these tasks. Um, and I know more and more have kind of been added along the way. Uh, like even James added a, a bunch of them very recently, I believe. Have you guys kind of like moved your VSTS builds to using more of these plugins as they've been released, or are you just still kind of using, you know, a lot of custom stuff that you initially did? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I I've seen that he added something with uh, changing the, the the bundles ID, but like uh, so uh, for example, I I'm looking now at our build pipeline, right? So uh, for example, we uh, uh, because in Azure app, in order to run the UI tests, you need to uh, log into Azure, right? So you need mm-hmm. to have a password, which you initially we are storing uh, in a in a hidden variable in the VSTS, but uh, later on the security team advised us that we should store it in the key vault, right? So that there is a key vault task that enables us to kind of recover that, but there's still not a good way to pass your password to the test cloud so you can inject it. You cannot pass it out as parameter. So if, for example, we figure out this uh, kind of like a hacky way uh, to uh, basically uh, output uh, password.txt file to the uh, UI test project, okay? So like in source code, we don't have this uh, txt file. And in our build pipeline, we just retrieve it from Key Vault and we output this to txt file and then we compile our UI test build. So like then when the UI test project is running, you already have the password there, right? So this is kind of like a hacky way, and there is still like, uh, I, I don't think there is a good way to to, to do that uh, currently. Uh, we also have uh, uh, the update version uh, script, uh, or we even call it a version patcher, I think. So, uh, and then we have like a few things we do there. Like for example, uh, like we have our own versioning schema. Like I, I don't know what uh, includes the James uh, versioning, but uh, in our we just add uh, at, at the end of the version, depend of which environment we are at. Like for alpha and beta, we add the the date, right? So we can figure out from which date this build is, because when we like check daily the alpha version, you want to know, okay, is the feature I pushed yesterday already in this version or not? Versus on if you're on the App Store, uh, it's not 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 that uh, needed. So we just have like this. Three uh, uh, three numbers there, zero point uh, I think six point uh, fourteen now or something like that, uh, and um, we also changed the icons right because we want to have different icons uh, for our alpha beta and our store uh, environment. Uh, so then again, not sure if this is there right. So there is like this small things, uh, and we have our shell script that is again is working. So uh, currently it's fine. Maybe uh, in the future we'll look into into moving to the to the VSTS build tasks. So are you doing um, like any of those deploys? You you mentioned the alpha beta, um, you know, production channels that you can and versions of the app that you could publish. Um, or is any of that happening automatically? Like if you you know you push to a develop branch or whatever sort of branching strategy you're doing, mm-hmm. that it builds an app and pushes out an alpha, or is this a manual setup? Uh, yes, so so our branching strategy is that we have uh, uh, the, the the development branch, uh, which is basically our alpha version. On every push, if test pass, we deploy to the hockey app, and everything happens automatically without our intervention. And then uh, once a week, we do a manual merge into our master branch, uh, which then again automatically deploy to hockey app, and this is like our beta 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 version. And we also like after this uh, this build is done, we also like manually kick off the uh, store build, which would be our uh, version that we release to the store. And then uh, after this is done, 
We don't release it to the store right away. We just submit it for like uh, the Apple verification and Google Play verification. And in the meantime, we wait a few days when we test our beta version. And if everything is fine, we don't find any issue. We just uh, click the button and we release it uh, to uh, to App uh, to App Store and Google Play. Unfortunately, uh, there is still no uh, automatic way to deploy to uh, App Store from VSTS, as far as I know. Uh, I think for a Google Play, there there is uh, there is a way, but again, we are not doing that. We are doing the this manually currently. So, are you guys actually like deploying to the apps? So, if you if you do a beta like on a, a re- uh, weekly schedule, and then are you actually mm-hmm. constantly deploying to the store? Um, I mean, it's, I'm assuming you found no issues with the beta. Like, is that then your mm-hmm. schedule? And and when you're doing that, I'm, I imagine with Apple, do you run into cases where like you get caught up where a new version is submitted to Apple and they still haven't approved the old one? Or how does that work for you guys in, in practice? Well, so Apple is actually pretty good. Uh, they approved the version in, I think, at most three days now. So we are, uh, especially at the beginning when we were doing initial uh, release, we were like pretty worried whether like how the Apple synchronization will work out, but it was fine. They approved the the album time and uh, and everything is pretty much uh, pretty much good. We didn't get any big blockers uh, from from Apple side. Uh, sometimes we get you know like issues like uh, when the new iOS SDK got released that you need to add the uh, iPhone X uh, icon with like you know higher resolution, right? So you got rejected, but you know you fix that and later on it it, it goes fine. So. So yeah, Apple is, is pretty pretty good, and uh, Google Play is yeah, it's even it's even faster, right? Because it's automatic verification. Right. So you mentioned uh, having UI tests there, and then running those UI tests either on one device in Test Cloud or any number of devices. Um, I'm curious to hear your experience around like how much of your app you decided to cover in UI tests, and how much of a gain, uh, you know, whether you saw you know productivity gains and stability gains from that, or if you felt if your team felt it slowed you down, or what was your experience there? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so it's uh, I I think uh, if we didn't have these UI tests, like first of all, we would be spending more time on like manual testing uh, because like many times, like like for example, when I uh, was working on the, this mentioned feature of uh, batch API with uh, non-mobile developers, and we are only changing the uh, shared code at the time when like this was like pretty pretty serious change. You potentially could broke a lot of uh, on, on maybe even like every view that is getting some data from Azure. Uh, when I knew that I have UI tests that will go over all our core scenarios and this will make sure that everything is fine. I was uh, I, I wasn't worried, right? So I didn't uh, have to like manually click through, which of course I did like briefly, uh, but I didn't have to manually go and check it after every you know change I make. So this is like a big game. Uh, there is a cost, of course, uh, because you have to write the UI test, which is uh, non-trivial. You also have to uh, learn things how to write the tests well, and uh, I really recommend to use page object pattern. Uh, uh, which really, really uh, help with uh, abstracting the test behavior from test uh, implementation. And I think I, uh, I have a blog post about about this on, on, on my blog as well. Uh, and uh, a few times we ran into, into issues that uh, they were detected by uh, UI tests. Uh, 
many times, unfortunately, we, we get flag, flaky tests, right? So for example, some view didn't load because there was a timeout. Uh, and then we either uh, just rerun the build or sometimes we were ending up with just basically dis disabling the uh, UI test and deploying without running them. When we see that, okay, this uh, this worked, it was just uh, HTTP timeout, right? Because at, at the end, is uh, the test cloud devices are, uh, there's like this hundreds of these devices in in Copenhagen, right? And uh, they are, at the end, they share one uh, internet connection, right? So things can go wrong there, right? So uh, so there are trade-offs, but I think in a in a long run, because especially at the beginning, we didn't really see the benefits of that. Like at the beginning, it was purely overhead. You're developing a feature, it took you like half a day, and it, then you had to spend like two days or more to write the UI test because of uh, this is like this is different. Uh, the documentation is not not as good as for for mobile apps and and so on. But uh, later on in the process, after like half a year or so, we we are noticing that we're getting uh, issues being caught by tests, and also like we got better at writing these tests, so it's not uh, such a big uh, issue for us. Uh, and also, uh, many times there are some things that you cannot really UI test. Uh, like like for example, currently I'm working on the uh, Touch ID for uh, additional security verification, and you cannot test it. Um, and so for things that you, ca you can test, you should at least have these UI tests to make sure that you know your baseline is, is, is clean and, and then you're you know, more, uh, more uh, worried about uh, the changes you're making. And are you guys doing any crash reporting or analytics logging in the app? Oh yes, we have uh, telemetry. We have uh, cr crash reporting as well. We we use, uh, use HockeyUp for both uh, because actually uh, what HockeyUp enables you in, on the, in addition to crash uh, reporting, it also enables you to store uh, the logs and then you can uh, export this log to App Insights, which gives you like a pretty cool a query uh, editor for for browsing these logs. And then you can even take it one step further and you can create a Power BI dashboard. And that's what, what we have, which, which can aggregate, for example, your errors, but uh, by the most uh, common error from last week. And we can like uh, then group it by the version number of the app. And we can see uh, stuff like the, the loading time per screen and we can see uh, like any regressions. So, uh, so this is like very important thing to do if uh, you're thinking, uh, you know, long, uh, uh, long way about your app to, to have this telemetry in place also from the beginning. We we also added it, it after kind of being uh, halfway through to uh, to public preview, and it also would be much better if we did it from the beginning, having in mind like all the telemetry needed for for this kind of app. So like startup time, like uh, a particular screens loading time. Like any, uh, like like for example, the feature usability, like which pages users are using, which uh, like Azure services they are using there, what actions they are taking, so we can learn wh what users are actually doing on the app. Nice, yeah. I, personally, I think that the uh, the ability to pull you know error and analytic data and all that stuff from Hockey App or now uh, VS App Center into something like um, App Insights and Power BI, like it's really, I don't know. In my biased opinion, it's not something that gets talked about enough because it's an incredibly powerful thing to just start, you know, doing whatever you want with all of these metrics and, you know, error logs and all that sort of thing that really no other platform offers other than what I've seen in like Azure and um, VS App Center and all that stuff. 
Uh, so it's yeah, just it's I, an incredibly powerful way to to make custom dashboards and reports and alerts and really anything that you want to do without having to rely on the the vendor themselves writing exactly the feature that you want. Um, so I find that that really really addicting myself. Yeah, yeah, totally. You you are right. And you know what? I was actually surprised because when I talked to mobile developers, like most of them say they they say that yeah we use Hokia for reporting because like the uh, it's not very good for logging and there are like better tools for logging, right? But then you you kind of like have an, another tool and then you know you have your logs, but then you have to be able to like you know browse these logs and do analytics on these logs, and then you have to build like entire mechanism. While in Hokiap case, it's uh, it's it's pretty pretty straightforward to basically export these data to App Insights and uh, and, and then do uh, Power BI dashboards on that. Yeah, absolutely. So I so there's any number of things that we could keep going easily for another hour or so. Um, I think this is a pretty awesome look at. Uh, you know, what it's like to really build a, a full-scale app, you know, a co complicated app with a lot of screens, does a lot of things, and the whole DevOps pipeline here. Uh, before we, we close out, are, are there any other sort of mistakes that you, you, you found that you made or, you know, words of caution or um, just general advice that, that you'd be able, that you would want to offer to, to our listeners who, who want to start building this, you know, this scale of application on this kind of platform? Yeah, so... Uh just like summarize quickly, uh, make sure you uh, share as much code as you can. Like every line of code that can potentially be shared, like you should you should put it in a share code. And at the beginning, it will be overhead, but it will pay off later on. Uh, also, uh, make also sure that you have uh, UI tests for your app. If you if if you're thinking about this as a like some serious long term app, like for example, I don't have UI tests for my small shopping uh, pad app for. Uh, Apple Store because I'm the only developer. I the code base is small, right? So I don't worry. But if you're building a production app, uh, enterprise production app, then you should you should have that. Uh, and also, like again, remember to don't uh, run on all the devices. Just pick the most stable device per platform, and then maybe run the uh, over the weekend on the multiple devices. Uh, also, uh, for for the UI tests, also uh, get familiarized with a page object pattern. Which uh, which is tremendously tremendously useful and helpful in uh, maintaining and developing and uh, reading the the UI tests. I, I wrote a blog post. You can you can find on my blog at jj09.net. I have a few blog posts about the Azure Mobile app, and I, I'm talking about uh, these issues over there. Uh, there is a one blog post called, called "Under the Hood of the Azure Mobile App," and I described all of these uh, things we talk more more deeply there. Uh, and also, like if uh, again, if you want to uh, try out the Azure app, go to uh, aka.ms/azureapp, and you will get the link to uh, iOS or Android uh, uh, store. Uh, and also, if you have any like suggestions for us, you can go to uh, aka.ms/azuremobilefeedback, and we have our user voice there, and you can vote for uh, features you would like to have in the app. And give us feedback, and of course you can uh, ping me on Twitter. I am Jacob Jedrzejczyk, and you can find this on my blog jg09.net. And I'll be happy to answer all uh, your questions. I'll be also happy to learn about other uh, developers' experience because this is tremendously, tremendously helpful, and you can talk like to other Xamarin developers who are going through similar uh, issues and how they solve the problems. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for her coming on to talk about this, and like I said, thanks for. For honestly, just being open about you know the the whole process from start to finish of building a real app and maintaining it and all of that, like I I think it's it 
very, very useful to have this sort of information out there. So, so thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you, uh, Greg. Thank you, John. It was uh, nice talking to you and uh, talk to you later. Absolutely. And thanks, as always, for everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.